try the untried And there are but a small number of times Life gives you a perfect state of Cochran. Uh, this is Straightening the Record podcast, episode one. Uh, I'm here in my apartment with Ryan Steer. Um, 
if you've been going to shows in Des Moines, Ames, Iowa in general, lots of other places these days, uh, you may well have seen Ryan playing with the River Monks, uh, Seedlings, Annalie Barra, uh, and recently with Mumford's. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. If you went to... That was that was Max Ames, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, as of now, the main focus is Extra Vision, uh, which um, no pun intended, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't look intended. Ex ex the main focus. <laughs> there was no wink or anything. No, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> the main focus is Extra Vision, which uh, is basically. Ryan and whomever else he recruits to uh, help him realize the vision of whatever he's got. It's been uh, touted a lot lately as a malleable project, meaning that it takes a lot of different forms. Whoops, just knocked the table there with my foot. Um, it's very casual here. Yeah, in we're, the studio. we're being exceptionally <laughs> casual, drinking LaCroix. We've got the fish tank in the background. We got Rudy, my roommate, Jonathan's cat, uh, gonna make a few appearances probably. She is a talker, and uh, we've got a pretty decent fire going in, in the apartment as well. Yeah. Um, so this is really cozy. Um, this is the second time that I've had Ryan in here uh, doing this because the software I was using last time screwed up real bad and it, it got it, it got real ugly uh, you the don't conversation use... sucked anyway for us like, yeah, it was the reason why we're here it was terrible <laughs> uh, no but um, it's really exciting to have you back and um, I'm excited to be back honestly it feels really good to be here awesome um, yeah so the goal kind of for this for this podcast is uh you know we do have other people in des moines who cover local musicians and i will gladly acknowledge that um i love listening to pants off podcast um and i've had a lot of fun listening to chris ford's podcast conquered for life uh where he talks not only just with his co-host but with some other uh cool musicians from around here um but here we're like kind of focusing on the creative process which i think um only really big famous musicians usually get to talk to people about how they do what they do um and i thought it'd be really awesome to change that if possible and uh focus you know mostly on people from around here which is, if you don't know, uh, we're from Des Moines, Iowa. And I have Ryan here not only because he's a close friend and I wanted to start with somebody who I'd be comfortable with, but also um, because he's been one of my favorite local musicians since like 2009 or so when the River Monks were first getting started. And, uh, and I've really enjoyed watching the progression of this uh, this thing, extra vision, uh, going from pretty much mostly seeing you do it with uh, with just your guitar to seeing you do it with a band some, and then seeing you do it, um, getting back to the malleable thing, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. with with synthesizers integrated and drum machines and and stuff like that which is really cool, and now with a whole different live band, well, half a different live band. Mm -hmm. and different, yeah. yeah. And ben, ben Dixon's been kind of the one consistent piece of the puzzle, um, and he adds such a diverse and spacious sound that it's been really fun to create with him and kind of like direct the focus to make sure that I'm including that type of spaciousness into the sound and um, having that like kind of it's not really a parameter but just having that in mind kind of like is a fun way to kind of you know keep the focus yeah I bet um, I noticed when I was looking at the Bandcamp page for extra vision that you actually have him 
as credited for writing additional music or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I guess that hadn't occurred to me before uh, before I did that, that, that um, people other than you were involved in writing this stuff. Um, and he does play like a lot of really awesome riffs and stuff mm -hmm. um, and a lot of like obviously his main role sort of is the lead guitar player mm -hmm. as it were but like that's not really all he does sure. um, because I mean what one of the things that I think is really cool um, on this album oh yeah so extra vision is releasing officially uh, the first full-length here in about two weeks, mm -hmm. and um, and on the album "Waking Up," um, one of the really cool things that I started noticing hearing the songs lots and lots of times was uh, how there's a lot of a lot of melodies and little bits that where the vocals and the guitars or the vocals and uh, keyboards will uh, will double things. Mm -hmm. um, and and I sort of wondered like how much um, how much of that is like already there when you're writing the song initially by yourself and like how much of that sort of gets brought to the table by Ben or by somebody else certainly yeah uh, well the first album was uh, and I say the first album because we're already working on a second album. Um, the whole, and the, the approaches for, for the two have been a lot different, I think. But the first album was, uh, a lot of the music was written just while Ben and I were kind of just jamming together. And um, like he would bring, uh, he would just start playing a chord progression and maybe I had some like spare lyrics laying around and I would start singing them over something that he was playing or he would just be kind of like riffing on some chords and I would start playing like some little melodies over it mm -hmm. and so or we would be playing with like we'd be rehearsing with a full band and uh you know, as Ben's kind of developing his guitar parts, he'll start adding, you know, kind of a melody. And then I hear that melody and like, okay, let's let's extend that melody over to the saxophone or the synthesizer or something like that. And mm -hmm. um, really the, a lot of the album was kind of like finding those things that our ears were perking up for and like kind of pushing those up to the to the front and having mm -hmm. more than one person emphasize those parts. Yeah, make them feel more like a distinct characteristic of the yeah. song rather than being sort of incidental. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, the thing that's popping into my head right now, and I'm not even remembering which song it's from, but the... Is that one of those things where it's sort of just like came into being while rehearsing it yeah yeah the, you're talking about moments of silence i remember that being a song i think we were actually practicing in the good cat practice space because ben plays in good cat as well uh i think we were maybe just like uh playing through like that kind of main chord progression in the song um which is the same chord progression as uh lay 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 <laughs> bob dylan cool and um <laughs> i remember just like kind of picking through the melody until the the melody that you'll hear in the song fell into place and um i i really like how i think um we were working with nick frampton at the time he was uh, the keyboard synthesizer player on the, on the record as well as uh, a engineer and, and producer for a lot of the sounds you hear on the record um, he kind of decided to introduce that part um, with just the synthesizer in the intro and then when it comes back in uh, in the second or, you know halfway through the song uh, you, you hear it with more guitars and saxophones and stuff like that and it just kind of like 
re-emphasize is the thing. It's not just like, oh, here it comes again. It's like, okay, now it's like... It's like a theme. Yeah, you're starting to hear it more as a theme. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, so speaking of Nick uh, and his role of producer, um, as you were in the process of recording this record, because... Um, because it happened over the course of like two years or something mm -hmm. um you had some of it recorded with phil at his old studio mm -hmm. with phil young i should clarify for those who don't know phil um some of it with phil young at wabi sound which was his home studio uh which he had for quite some years mm -hmm. and then some of it uh with with nick um at the studio he used to work at in Colorado. So what's that like sort of just passing it off to somebody to mm -hmm. do stuff with it, like two states over for some amount of time or like, were you still actively involved with it then? And so, um, the timeline kind of, uh, I remember we, we recorded the drums and bass together, uh, with some like acoustic, um, you know, scratch tracks, uh, with Phil at Wabi Sound, and um, a few months into the recording process, um, it kind of felt like he kind of felt like he wasn't going to be able to put in as much time as I was hoping mm -hmm. to get with him because he's busy, very busy guy. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened that Nick was I believe moving back to Des Moines for a little while um, maybe after Nashville mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember the, the full timeline but he they were him and, and Evelyn who make up field division were kind of in a transition period and they were hanging out in Des Moines uh, back in Des Moines for a while and so the timing just seemed right to hit up Nick and see if he would like to kind of take what we had done so far and and help us arrange the record and learn some synth or just write some synth parts for the record that kind of thing mm -hmm. and so we were actually working out of his parents basement where he and I started making music together when we were like 15 16 um, it was very cathartic to just be back in his parents basement making music again it, it felt like almost too natural or something like that very uh, very comfortable yeah which and is probably the best way to make music yeah absolutely and I can just remember spending a lot of nights with him and Ben the three of us together just kind of writing a lot of parts together and um, Nick would be like playing some synth parts and Ben would be automating like delays and stuff like that at the same time and it was just like a lot of fun experimentation uh, mm -hmm. that went into uh, that part of it and we got as much done as we could, and um, Nick and Evelyn started traveling again for uh, touring Field Division stuff, and um, he um, was mixing on the road, but was busy enough that I was, um, you know, kind of ready to finish the record um, sooner than he, uh, he had time for. Right. So, um, this is maybe a year later, I asked Phil if he would be interested to help us finish it and mix it and uh he agreed and i just at that point i think we maybe redid some vocals and added a few extra parts and um and finished mixing it with phil cool which is great because uh, it, it's in the studio i will i communicate very very well with both nick and phil we just we work really really well together and so it was honestly like kind of perfect in my opinion that they were both able to kind of like you know use their wizard powers yeah <laughs> on the music yeah it really does feel like phil's a wizard sometimes when you're watching him work like we don't have to get on too much of a tangent about it but i just i always think it's really cool watching somebody like that who knows all the little shortcuts and all the little yeah. things to just like yeah Fix very, the thing. You very know, smooth or, working. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, both of those guys definitely have um, have good ears for 
I don't know a lot about about mm-hmm. what makes a, a good song. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, a lot about how things fall in a mix and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I, I guess I guess um, having all of those years involved with with mixing the record is probably a big part of why it turned out the way it did, which yeah. I think is really great. I mean, the the mix is huge and lush and. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and we were talking Sparkly. about this before uh, we started recording as well, but um, Phil and I did a lot of experimentation with like the vocal tracks and the saxophone tracks, that kind of stuff. We would send those through delay pedals and automate um, delays onto those tracks um, in kind of a live kind of way, and uh, we would send vocal tracks through like a Fender amp to kind of give it like a, a vintage kind of sound and mm-hmm. so again but both with Nick and with Phil there was just a lot of fun experimentation and trying some new stuff and seeing uh, what we could do with with kind of like almost you know like I don't know I've never heard of anyone doing like th- like sending a vocal track through an amp like that was yeah. not something that was I was influenced by but something we just like threw out there and we were like sure let's try that and yeah a lot of that ended up on the record yeah i'm sure that's one of those things that actually is like a pretty old trick like totally but but you know it's definitely not something you think of if you're not like a studio nerd you right. know or something yeah. like that um yeah uh speaking of of uh experimentation and like and working with new tools um this is uh, the first record where you've featured 12 string guitar heavily mm-hmm. um, and I found that to be sort of like an interesting thing where I, I started seeing you just like have it at every show mm-hmm. um, even I think some of the shows where you were like primarily playing River Monk stuff or like you were still bringing the 12 string in for stuff um, and I guess I'm sort of curious what what drew you to that and like why you why you felt like that was the new thing for for like almost everything you do mm-hmm. well that originally that was another nick frampton influence uh he picked up one actually i think it was evelyn uh picked up one for uh their field division and stuff and i just remember playing it and and just absolutely falling in love with the sound of it um, it just sounded so much richer and, um, like it had like a kind of sparkly shimmer to it and like a very deep, rich sound at the same time. And <clears throat> so I just kind of started thinking about it a lot and, um, I went to Evil Old Guitar Center and they had one left. It was a Martin <laughs> and I played it and I just absolutely fell in love with it and I was like, I don't want to regret walking away yeah. without it kind of thing. And it kind of just totally changed the way I was writing because um, all of a sudden I was, I felt like I was writing for the, inst- like for that specific instrument, not mm-hmm. just for an acoustic guitar, but um, using like starting to incorporate like more drones type sounds into the guitar playing, both strumming and picking finger picking um it just sounded vastly different to like pluck two b strings instead of one b string oh like, yeah that sure. just like creates such a, a different sound in my opinion and um i don't know i just became obsessed with it i want i like i loved hearing how different it sounded with like river monk songs it just kind of gave all the songs i was playing a little bit new life in a way mm-hmm did it change, um, like, any any parts that you had written before you like, with with, with the stuff that's on on the the first extra vision record? Did it like change how you played any of the any of the parts? All of those songs were actually written on the twelve string. Okay. So that all came as a result of uh, all the songs on the record came as a result of uh, the twelve string guitar and um, really just kind of like a big, like, I don't know, I just felt like an awakening I was going through at the time. Um, 
like a really big download of uh, new understandings and uh, different ways of thinking through things. And um, so I don't know there there was some there was almost like kind of like the synchronicity with it like the the ways in which I was changing internally and all of a sudden like being exposed to this what felt like a brand new instrument even though I could play it the same way mm -hmm. as I've been playing guitar the whole time uh, it you know there was just kind of like the two together just like kind of exploded into this like big energetic album that like it I feel is like a lot different than any of the music I had ever written before yeah um, and when you talk about that you're talking about the download of information like or of understanding was that what you mm -hmm. said yeah um, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that expand on that a little bit where like like some of these understandings that 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 were inspirational to writing the songs that are on the album mm -hmm. Uh, I think, like, in my mid-twenties is kind of when I sort of, like, peaked out on, like, ego, and I was, like, very, like, driven with the River Monks. I was very attached to the idea of us, like, becoming successful. I, like, really wanted that. Mm -hmm. And I think, as a result, I like kind of became a shitty person in a lot of ways or at least I felt that way internally that like I was focused so much on myself that I was kind of blinding myself in a way to like how you know like amazing everything like can be if you look at it that way mm -hmm. uh, how there you know like obviously like there are plenty of things we need to fix like in our political system etc but there's so much more outside of that. So, I don't know, I felt like maybe around the age of 27, right around the time River Monks was kind of disbanding a little bit, um, I sort of just, like, with the help of friends, decided to just kind of, like, flip um, a 180 and, like, just start thinking about things differently and, like, wanting to... Uh, expand my understanding of the universe and not not focus so much on like uh, myself and my own drive and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and so this album Waking Up and you know even down to the name Extra Vision it all kind of like came down to this idea of opening up and trying to you know, see, here are my flaws, here are my mistakes, and uh, these are things I can learn from, and not just dwell on those things, I can learn from them, I can become better from them, I can think about, like, my fears, and start to break down why am I afraid of these things, and, you know, writing a lot of these songs has been very, like, therapeutic in a lot of ways, because... I'm thinking about my fears. I'm thinking about death more, uh, just because yeah. I'm writing about it and singing about it a lot. It's a big theme on the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, we're 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 going right into it. <laughs> uh, death. It's it's. Uh, you talk about it in fear of missing out. You talk about it. Oh, geez, I'm having trouble with with titles at the moment. That's okay. But, but. Um, the last track on the record, which mm -hmm. I think you have out as the first single. Yeah, Moments of Clarity yeah. Yeah, and Fear of Missing Out are kind of the two that are directly, you know, pointed at, at the concept of death. And really kind of the concept of uh, trying to be less afraid of it. Mm -hmm. um, the Fear of Missing Out is just kind of imagining death as just like another thing. Uh, it's like it's just the next thing. It's not something that you it's might be a big change, but like we don't know what it is and so like What we're afraid of is what we think it is or uh, It's called the fear of missing out like I was thinking about like uh, You know, maybe the biggest thing we're afraid of is just missing what happens after we're gone. Or yeah afraid of being forgotten that kind of thing 
Um, and Moments of Clarity is um, really about just breaking it down to kind of, um, you know, a very simple uh, thing, which is that we are dust and then we wake up and then we're dust again. Yeah. You and that's okay. Become dirt. Yeah. Is the line. Yeah. 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 Um, and so it's just like saying, if you just tell yourself it's okay. Yeah. Like that's, I think a first step and that's kind of what I was doing with those songs. Is that a thing you talked about with Brooks a bit in your travels with him? Uh, Brooks Strauss for, for the people at home. Uh, because cause that's something that I th- I feel like he addresses in a lot of his music and like and I remember when I was listening to Brian Campos's uh, interview with with Brooks that I think came out last year um, there's like a whole bit where they talk about mm-hmm. about death and 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 uh, he's just like really casual about it in general. Yeah, that's certainly something we've talked about. Um, you know, a lot of our a lot of conversations with Brooks and I, especially when we're in a car, <clears throat> tend to be how beautiful everything is around us, how small we are, uh, how how much you know. Like we, we're oftentimes just trying to explore as far as we can, mm-hmm. both like in to the universe and into our minds, and. Uh, he has has certainly, you know, helped, uh, you know, more than maybe anybody else, um, in just like reassuring me that everything's gonna be okay, like when we're gone, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a hard, hard thing to cope with sometimes, but uh, his way with words is, you know. Wizard, wizard stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, um, he's yeah. he's able to to you know use alchemy and uh, philosophy and science and all sorts of myst- mysticism, all sorts of different things combined um, to you know give me therapy. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what better thing than than to uh, be able to talk to your your friends mm-hmm. uh, in such a in such a way where where they they can help you feel better in that way because obviously like death is one of those things that like everybody does have some some degree of fear of mm-hmm. um, but I think it's really cool the way it's addressed in in some of these tunes um, <clears throat> For instance, we were talking about, um, okay, we were talking about moments of clarity and, yeah, in Fear of Missing Out, I really like the the image of an endless ground cloud, (laughs) which, like, I picture that as being sort of, like, an earthy green tone, and, like, uh, the the line is, uh, I imagine death an endless or a, a long walk through an endless ground cloud is that right yeah yeah uh and and that's just like not a concept i ever thought of a a, a, a ground cloud yeah. it's a pleasant walk a pleasant it's walk just, that's know, right just, that's what it is you're just floating and whatever is next kind of thing it know? always it always mixes me up because pleasant and endless rhyme so i i, I think <laughs> endless twice but <laughs> right um but but yeah, a pleasant walk. Yeah. <coughs> and and obviously everybody has their own idea of whether there is an afterlife or or um what it what it looks like. But I I, I, I like that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's the point of imagining, you know, the worst possible situation when you could just be imagining that it's nice. Yeah, it's just like a nice walk you know, in the woods or something. We won't know until it happens. Kind yeah. Of thing. And we might not know when it happens <laughs> as well. But. One of the other themes that I sort of noticed um, listening was was uh, taking more than my share or giving back what's not mine. Like, mm-hmm. like those seemed connected to me. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know, maybe if you'd care to elaborate on that a little bit. Because it, it does feel like 
like there's maybe implications there and maybe maybe you don't want to like no that's totally fine the, give the everything first away. reference uh, is from still up in the clouds which is that was one of the first songs I wrote on the 12 string specifically um, it's kind of a strummer and uh, it just felt like this is like a new direction that I'm going to be going in now like it feels like I'm it felt like I was kind of combining uh, lots of different influences like pop punk and folk and rock music and um, that coupled with it feeling just like this kind of new awakening uh, I was just realizing so many things about myself that uh, I wanted to change that it felt like I was taking more than I was giving um, and that uh, so the line in Still Up in the Clouds is <coughs> excuse me um, something's, something telling me something's going to change uh, yeah you don't have to quote the whole thing it's a, uh, <laughs> I guess that part doesn't matter yeah it's, it's, it's just like uh, weary from taking more than my share yes yes um, yeah that's just a, a recognition of like my privilege as a human being, as a white man in the Midwest with, you know, a supportive family and a supportive group of friends. Um, it's just easy to see, like, how much I have versus what I don't have. Right. And so um, it feels like, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, <clears throat> excuse me, because we're all just going to be giving it back at the end you know at the very end kind mm -hmm. of yeah that's that's really cool popping a LaCroix what 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 are these again peach pear peach pear my <sighs> god I haven't this, had in a while this, this is I think the best delightful. LaCroix I've ever had delightful like <laughs> there, there was this thing I saw on, on the internet that that drinking a LaCroix is like drinking sparkling water where while somebody yells the name of a fruit at you from another room which like seemed really really deeply correct to me for quite a while but this peach pear is on another level yeah <laughs> um it's <laughs> really good and this is something to be grateful for as well this this peach pear my god <laughs> Um, so I think that's all the lyric stuff that, that I, that I had that I was like really into, I mean, I like it all, but, but, but that was the stuff that seemed like really good to talk about. Um, in addition, <coughs> no, yeah, you're good. Um, in addition to the 12 string, um, it might not actually be that important of a choice for you, but, but the, the GNL guitar I think is really cool. Um, and I wonder if there's any, anything about the character of, of that guitar specifically that you dug, or if it was just sort of like in your price range or something. Uh, all of the above, really. Uh, <laughs> I had just been, I had been considering buying like a, Fender hollow body or something like that. I wasn't really sure what uh, what I wanted uh, to go for with an electric guitar, and I just I plugged that GNL in, and it sounded amazing without any effects. It sounded like kind of gritty and raw, and um, I felt like I could kind of dig into it a little bit, and so it felt good uh, for some of the drummers yeah is it's just uh it's just like soap bar uh, single coils right yeah yeah and it also i i kind of wrote this newer song that has kind of like a almost like a jazzy folk vibe to it and um it sounds really nice on that too and that coupled with like just some basic fender tremolo oh yeah you know, deluxe reverb kind oh, of stuff yeah 
just has a nice classic sound to it. Very gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and possibly, well, the 12-string was very crucial, but another big tool that you've been using a lot lately is the, the OP-1. And that's like such an interesting instrument because I know that um, in our last conversation, you talked a little bit about uh, building this like Latin beat for your cover of All Night Long on it, mm -hmm. which then you built the whole song around. Yeah. And um, so not only is it a keyboard and a synthesizer but also like it has this capability of doing these these loops and drum machines and stuff and it's just this tiny little thing like it's maybe a foot long or something and it's just yeah like, looks it's... like it would be a cheap little piece of shit but it's like <laughs> but it's, it does so many cool things it's like surprisingly heavy in a way uh <laughs> yeah it's it, it's a very fun instrument um it comes with tons of amazing synthesizer sounds and drum drum sounds you can also sample things and create i created a synthesizer with the sound of my voice uh, i created a drum sample with our house drum kit at kitty city um and it has a four track uh tape recorder function in it as well you can record up to like six minutes on it wow. and create loops with that and so i've been writing music starting with a drum beat or starting with a bass line uh, which is much different than I'm used to yeah that's probably something you really hadn't messed with in any other band yeah yeah so uh, it's it's just a nice exploratory way and a little bit more freeing I can kind of uh, experiment a little bit more without asking a drummer to do exactly like dude I'm gonna try and describe this to you and you have to try and do it exactly like oh yeah because that's one of the hardest things ever yeah exactly. is like telling a drummer what's in your head if you're not a drummer right exactly like if you can't play drums <laughs> yeah. but but yeah that's like it, it seems like with the stuff that has come since you completed writing the first record that's been like a huge part of um of how you've written a lot of the the new songs yeah, so a lot of the new songs um, kind of came from... I, I started this project three years ago, and I, and three years later is our debut album. So uh, I kind of felt like, because I decided to start touring more and um, just trying to spread the word of you know the project more than anything, um, I felt like I kind of needed to write more songs that uh, made more sense to play in a solo setting because I was doing a lot of smaller house shows um, and you know just more intimate kind of feel so the second album is going to end up feeling a lot more intimate I think and uh, I've been exposed to and inspired by like some some different concepts because the first album was largely inspired by like um, Lost in the Dream by War on Drugs and Waking on a Pretty Day by Kurt Vile. Those two albums really kind of left a an impression on me. Just their energy, like they have very different energies, but like both energies felt right mm -hmm. to me. And um, the the stuff I've been writing for the second album is kind of a lot more like Joanna Newsom, Jose Gonzalez, uh, just like more like intimate folk stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also had a few years to like um, to continue writing, and so it's going to be a mixture of kind of these like intimate folk songs as well as some like kind of experimental synthesizer type songs yeah which is interesting because like i think it would be easy to think of those two things as polar opposites perhaps and, yeah i mean like like literally like when i think of intimate the first thing i think of is never synthesizer uh -huh. you know like yeah. when i think of of uh 
folk music. I, I think of that almost as being the antithesis of mm-hmm. of like electronic music, right. as it were. You know, yeah. EDM. But like, yeah. obviously, you aren't going to be doing like EDM. But yeah, but, there'll be a lot of just blending those two things. You know, like folk folk guitars and synthesizer drones, that kind of stuff. Yeah, those those textures. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm I'm definitely pretty interested in, in the blending of those as you say kind of two opposite ideas seeing, mm-hmm. seeing what happens in the middle um, so thanks John my roommate John coming in to feed the fire keeping us warm and toasty in here we're gonna we're gonna let him enjoy the fire pretty soon but um I guess as we're possibly inching towards wrapping up, um, we're talking about, we've talked about the album that you're about to put out. Mm -hmm. We've talked about some of the new stuff. And um, I guess this might be a decent time to just do a little plugging of of the, of, of what people are gonna see and hear um you know yeah. on the on the 17th of this month yeah. um i'm going to try and get this out as quickly as i can <laughs> uh and uh and hopefully people will be able to hear it before the album release um which is at the vaudeville muse february mm-hmm. 17th so yeah i've got a, a couple of uh uh separate things coming up one of them is a series of full band shows um, to really celebrate the album because the album is a full band album. Um, playing uh, around the state and doing an official album release show at Vaudeville Muse on February 17th. Uh, we're doing two shows and really showing a late show. Um, very excited to play with. Hardy Har, um, we're living up in Twin Cities now, originally from Cedar Falls. Uh, my tour mate Nicholas Naoti is playing a solo set um, of a bunch of new music, I think, is what I've heard. Cool. Um, that's the late show. The early show is with Land of Blood and Sunshine and Odd Pets, uh, two of my, my favorite Iowa bands as well. Um, and directly following that uh, I'm going on a six-week tour with Nicholas out to the West Coast. Um, we've got about 30 shows booked, mostly house shows, um, to kind of juxtapose the big full band releases. Yeah. I'll be celebrating the full band album uh, by playing solo songs in people's living rooms. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, so um, if you're listening to this and you don't live in Des Moines, but you live anywhere between Iowa and California mm-hmm. uh, north or south mm-hmm. there's probably a stop near you uh, to see Ryan with uh, Nicholas Naoti who really like does all kinds of stuff these days like you, you I, I literally don't know what I'm, <laughs> what to expect it's hard anymore. to keep up with how many things he's doing uh, he's putting a noise record out soon um, he's starting a new business soon, a couple new businesses soon, uh, you know, releasing music with Qubits. Um, his acoustic stuff is gorgeous too. Yeah. He, he does it all. He does it all. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think this is, I think this is the, the best time to wrap it up. Um, so thanks for being here, hanging out with me, talking about all this stuff. We got a little heavy at times, which I appreciate you being willing to do. Um, and to everybody who is listening in theory, uh, come hang out with us at the Muse or hang out with Ryan and the boys um, in Cedar Falls or in Fairfield. Uh, which is where the other full band releases are, right? Mm-hmm. As well as Davenport, yeah. As well as Davenport. And um, we're playing at Mission Creek 
in Iowa City at the mill on April 6th at 8 o'clock. Very sick. Um, yeah, thanks for being on here. Thanks to you if you are listening. And uh, we're going to end this thing with Waking Up, which is the title track off the record. And one of my favorite songs to listen to now that I know the words. So <laughs> if you get the record soon, make sure you read those words because they're they feel real good. And you can find the record at extravisionmusic.bandcamp.com on vinyl, CD, or digital download. Plug that motherfucker. <laughs>
Hey, Forrest coming back at you here. Just a couple quick things before we uh, wrap up episode one in its entirety. Thanks for listening to Ryan and I say um and like a whole bunch during that. Um, I'm going to try and work on that and also work on my NPR voice for future episodes. Ryan reached out to me. Uh, the day after the podcast was recorded, just uh, mentioning that he felt sort of bad for not including a couple key people who were involved with the album. As we mentioned earlier, Nicholas Frampton played keyboards, and Ben Dixon played guitar, and they contributed some cool sounds as well. In addition to the aforementioned musicians, Drew Rao and Luke Rao played bass and drums on the record, and Kyle Gowan played sax on a handful of tracks, and Ryan just wanted to make sure that their contributions were acknowledged. And you'll be able to see Drew and Luke coming back at the release show for... I believe the late show where there will be a uh, heavier focus on playing the material from the record additionally I uh, just wanted to say real quick that if you're in an Iowa band or if you are an Iowan musician or if you are a musician who comes through the Des Moines area a lot I would love to have a conversation like this with you We don't have to talk about death. We can talk about uh, whatever the heck you want or whatever uh, relates best to your music and what you're trying to get across. I just want to do more of these, and I want to do them with good, artistically driven musicians. So please feel free to message me um, on Facebook, the Straightening the Record page, or to send me an email at straighteningtherecord at gmail.com. Let's set something up. Let's hang out. All right, thanks so much for listening. One last shout-out to Extra Vision. Hope to see you at the release show February 17th at the Vaudeville Muse. Late and early shows, whatever works for you, I'll be at both. And that's it for Straightening the Record, Episode 1. Thanks for listening.